even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Go on to verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In the Beloved. And in verse 4, in him. This morning I want to focus on that word, in. When you and I became born again believers, what were we born again believers in? In Christ. The love of God was so great that he was willing to send his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that life is where? In the Son. So, you and I, when we became believers, we believed in what Christ did for us. And by us believing in what He did for us, i.e. the love of God on display and willingly giving up His only Son, we were granted or given access into, into what? This family, this body of believers called the church. You and I, when we were born again, were not just born again and set on an island somewhere to figure it out and try to make sense of things on our own. But no, but rather, God gave us the church. To be a part of, within the functioning body of Christ, there are several things that take place. Obviously, there is the teaching and the preaching of the Word. Right? We need that. Within the body of Christ, there is the encouragement and the love that we gain or get from one another. And the love that we show to one another. Also, within this body there are going to be opportunities for us to be able to share the love of God with folks who are not currently in the Beloved, not a part of the believing body of Christ. And therefore, when they come in here, we have an opportunity to show them what it means to be in Christ. So what does that mean? To be in Christ. Is your life different now than it was before you came to Christ? Yes. Do you live differently? Do you talk differently? Do you walk differently? Man, I sure hope so. The power of God, the Holy Spirit in you is producing change. But it's not you producing the change. It is what is in you that is producing the changes on the outside of you. It is what you are a part of that makes you who you are. You are not a believer because you don't do certain things or you do certain things. You are a child of God, a believer, a born-again Christian because of what Christ did for you and what He does in and through you. 
Oftentimes we equate the church body with a group of people that do or don't do certain things. And then we become these, this isolated personage that doesn't accept anything that looks different, talks different, walks different, or acts different than we do. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about sin and abomination. I'm talking about we don't sing the same songs as someone else. Therefore, we're not going to listen to them or they're not going to be able to be a part of this body because this is how we've always done it. Or this is what we want. Well, I'm not talking about the color of the pews, the color on the wall, the light fixtures hanging from the ceiling. Those are not the things that identify us as believers. What identifies us as a believer is being in Christ. Jesus does not look down at us every day and try to find some fault in us that he can pinpoint in order to punish us and to belittle us and to shame us and to cause us to live in fear. Rather, every single day of our lives as believers, we find ourselves in a position where we are unbelievably loved, where we are incredibly cared for, where God says, I'll never leave nor forsake you, where he shows us true, pure, honest, genuine, unconditional love. There's never a day that I wake up that he doesn't love me. There's never a day that I wake up and he is ashamed of me. But every single day when I open my eyes, I open them knowing that his love for me is just as great today as it was yesterday, regardless of what happens today. His love never changes. His love never falters. His love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of love does he show to us? An unmerited, an unbelievably overwhelming love. Being a part of the body of Christ, you and I, as believers in Christ, in Him, we live and we move and have our being. It's in Him that we are who we are. Do we love the way he loves? Do we care for others the way he cares for us? Let me explain what I mean. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to, for adoption to himself as sons and, uh, sons and daughters through Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. You were not born a Christian. You were born again a Christian. You are not a Christian because of who you vote for or who you don't vote for. You are not a Christian because of where you come from or who your family is. You are not a Christian based on your economic standing in life. You are not a Christian based on whether or not you've ever made poor decisions in life. Because for those of you who want to look down on others who you say have made poor decisions, I can assure you that your life is just as tainted as theirs is. Maybe even more so because at least they're honest about where they've been. You're lying. When we come to Jesus, it is not based on us. It is based on Him. 
and he is perfect, we are not. And if he is perfect and we are not, how in the world can we be in him? Oh, how great and how wonderful is the love of God with which he has shined on us, showered on us, or bestowed on us. When we are a part of the body of Christ, it is not because of what we have done. It's because of who he is. It is his love that saved us. We didn't get his attention. We didn't get his attention because we were good recruits. When Jesus chose his disciples, I can assure you that he did not choose the cream of the crop. But he chose the raw and the real. And in those broken people, he produced something amazing. Something incredible. Something nothing short of miraculous. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You're not a son of God because of who you are or what you do. You didn't come to Jesus, he came to you. You didn't find him, he found you. You didn't choose him, he chose you. He came and spoke to you. By his Spirit, he drew you to himself. And as I said earlier, he is perfect, we are not. What in the world does he see in us that he would want anything to do with us? You know, our whole theme, our whole topic for the next couple of weeks is what? Adoption. Adoption. Anybody here grow up, don't raise your hands, and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm, I'm being serious when I say this. Anybody here grow up poor? And then when you got older, like maybe in your teen years, your late teen years, or you went out and you got a job, you didn't realize how poor you were. Like you went to the Mexican restaurant or the Chinese restaurant for the first time, and then it dawned on you why you didn't do that before. Because your parents couldn't afford to take all the kids out to eat. See, you didn't know that you were poor. You didn't know that you all didn't have as much as everyone else. Children don't see things the way we see them as adults. Sometimes that's a good thing. So it may not be that a child that is in foster care or an adoption or, or, or an orphanage, it might not resonate with them that they don't have a mom or a dad because they've never had that. But as they get older and they realize that there's this aching hole within them. This burning hurt. Because they don't have a dad that would die for them. A mother that would lay down their life for them. They don't know that feeling of being unconditionally loved. It begins to ache and to gnaw and to eat at them. Can you imagine... For those of you who had a mama and a daddy. For those of you that had grandmothers and grandfathers that loved you. Can you just for a moment put yourself in the shoes of someone that's never known that? Never known that love? Never known what it was like to get embarrassed because mama wanted to kiss you all the time? Never know what it was like to run away from your papa because all he wanted to do is hug you. 
and squeeze you to death. There are hundreds of thousands of children in the foster care and the orphanage system today in the United States of America alone who do not know what it means to be unconditionally loved by a mother or a father. Can you imagine what that feels like? As a mother, as a father, can you imagine what it feels like? To know that there's a child that doesn't know that feeling. I told you I'd you know, talked with some, some folks who've you know, gone through the adoption process. And I'm going to continue to share uh, uh, bits and pieces of, of this, this, these stories as, as, I, as I hear them. And, 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 and it's going to be a, con, you know, a continuation here. But one of the individuals uh, shared with me a couple of pictures that they have uh, framed in their home. I want to share them with you, if you guys don't mind. Now, I, I'm not so sure I can read this. I'm just going to be honest with you because you talk about being emotional. Brother, this one's pulling the heartstrings. You know what I'm saying? Not flesh of my flesh nor bone of my bone, but still miraculously my own. Never forget for a single minute you didn't grow under my heart, but in it. We witness a miracle every time a child enters into life, but those who make their journey home across time and miles, growing within the hearts of those who wait to love them, are carried on the wings of destiny and placed among us by God's very own hands. Now that got me. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you didn't feel like you were loved? Didn't feel like you belonged? You didn't feel like there was this person or this body that would embrace you and love you and allow you to grow and mature and change and and, and, and develop and, and just love you for who you are, where you are, regardless of the mistakes, the flaws, the failures, the, 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 the issues that you have, but just to love you. In no way, shape, form, or fashion am I trying to patronize those who have gone through the adoption uh, process or those who have, are, are currently in the system but I want you to think about something and see if this doesn't make sense to you. That child doesn't know it. But there's someone somewhere who the Lord has put a passion in their heart to love that child. And that child doesn't know it. The child doesn't know that this person is totally and, and unbelievably in love with them. Waiting on God to just put the two together. Here this child is in this cold place in life, not knowing that there's a warm home, just begging for God to bring them to him. The feeling of longing to hold a child in your arms. And that feeling of a child that would give anything to be held in the arms of the unconditional love of not some adoption per, or someone that's willing to adopt them, but of a parent, of a mother and a father. Not bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh, but still their own. If you can put yourself in that position for just a second, if, you could, if we could just capture that for one moment, And you know exactly 
what goes on in our world today with all of the broken, hurting, lost people who don't know the Lord. But he has a love for them. And he wants to connect them with a family that will love them. Not love them because they're a good fit. Not love them because they are going to benefit the family in some way. Not love them because they bring something to the table. But to love them regardless of how difficult it may be. Regardless of what it might cost. Regardless of what the transition process might be like. Not saying, I'll do this if it's easy. But saying, I'll do this if it breaks me. Not saying I'll do this as long as everything works out, but saying I will work it out. Not saying as long as this doesn't hurt, but saying no matter what pain it may cause me. What is the family of God? It's the church, the beloved. That's the family of God. And if he is going to adopt the lost, if God is going to adopt the lost, then what family is he going to place them with? The church. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, or Abba, Father, Daddy. An adopted child does not just need discipline and food and shelter. If that's all you want to provide, don't even think about it. Because we are human beings and we need more than just our bellies full and to not be in jail. We need love. And not just love that is conditional, but love that is unconditional. Love that says, even when you are at odds with me, I'm going to love you. Even when you are opposed to me, I will love you. Even when you are out of your ever-loving mind, I'm going to love you. That's the love that God has shown to us. Not a love that is the spirit of fear, of bondage. Not going back from one prison to the... That's not adoption. Going from one prison to the next, from one fear to the next, from one hurt to the next. That's not adoption. You're just swapping places. Before I knew the Lord, before I was serving the Lord, I should say, I didn't know what love was. I was selfish. It was all about me. But when I saw the love of God for the first time, I realized that this isn't all about me. This is all about Him. And He's all about me. And His love for me is not just conditional based on what I can, aff can afford Him or, or give to Him. But He loved me in my unlovableness. 
And even though I did not know how to respond to his love yet, he still showed me his love. And eventually his love overcame my fear. His love overcame my hurt. His love overcame my past experiences. His love overcame my failures. His love overcame my bad teaching. His love overcame my bad thinking. His love overcame my selfishness. His love overcame all of who I am. And I one day finally got it. He loves me. The end. If God is going to adopt the unbeliever into his family, they're not going to just come into a family where they get yelled at, screamed at, put in their place, put down, insulted, maligned, manipulated, taken for a ride, milked for all their worth, and then thrown out in the field somewhere with absolutely no life to live. Rather, he's going to call them into his beloved, where they will be able, along with us, to cry out, Dad. Not just Father, but Dad. To know what it's like to be a part of a family that will love them unconditionally. Will you do that? Will you do that? Will you love those that come through these doors regardless of the past, present, or the future? Will you love them the way that you would desire to be loved, even when the microphone breaks? What happened? It doesn't matter, does it? Will you care when no one else will care? Will you hold them when no one will touch them? Will you embrace them when everyone pushes them away? Will you let them know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made when every decision they've ever made has brought fear? Will you give them what they need as a brother and a sister? Will you let them be broken and let God put them back together and you just love them through the process that they have to go through? When a family adopts a child, they have no idea the family's medical history. They have no idea the psychological state of that family and what this child will be like as they grow. Not only, not only do they not know, but what they do know for sure is that they don't know. But yet they proceed anyway. And they say, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know what to expect. But they throw caution to the wind. And with total reckless abandonment, they say, come hell or high water, I'm going to love this child. No matter how difficult it may be, no matter what it might take, no matter what it might cost us, we're in this. We're invested. This isn't about us. This is about this child. It's not about what we get. It's about what we give. It's not about getting. It's about loving. What if? Boy, I feel like I'm back in my teenage years. I used to say that a lot. What if? What would happen if? What would happen if the church loved the way Jesus loves? What would happen if we did what Jesus told us to do and to love one another as he has loved us 
And that one another is not the same 15 or 50 people that have always been here. But it's everybody that God brings into this family through the spirit of adoption and places them here with us for us to love them, for us to nurture them, and for us to bring them along. What if we love one another in obedience to what Jesus said? And we let him do in these people what he wants to do in them. And we facilitate the process by loving them as he does what he does. You might see liberal Democrats walk through the back door. You might see MAGA hats walk through the back door. You might see the gay, the lesbian, the divorced, the adulterer, the fornicator walk through that door. But if they walk through that door, we've got to make sure that we show them what God sent them here to see. And that is his love, not our opinions, our feelings, or what we think. Not casting them aside because it's too hard. Not giving up because it might be difficult. But saying, God, we're in this because you called us into this, not because we chose it. You brought me here for the purpose of being what you want me to be so that you can be who you are to the people you want to be who you are to, not based on whether I like the color of their skin or the way they currently live their life. Our family is growing. Will we let it? I'll close with this. Another issue that adoptive families have to deal with is when they already have children. And they're going to bring another child into the mix. You don't get to sit down on a piece of paper and say, I would like a child that has this voice inflection, has this color eyes, this... We want to make sure it's a perfect fit for our kids. Imagine if your mother brought a child into the home, what that would do. How happy were you when she was born? boy! tell the truth, not very happy. That's right. Because you went from being the only child to only a child, right? Yeah, exactly. When you bring another child into the mix that isn't a part of that family, they don't look like the family. They don't talk like the family. They don't walk like the family. They don't have the same uh, interest in food. Their, their, their diet is different. Their appetite, I mean, is different. They're, they're not going to, they're just, they're different. Their sense of humor might be different than yours. You might not have a sense of humor. I pity you if you don't, but, and you're going to hate me if you do, but if you don't have a sense of humor, but I was talking to somebody and they, <laughs> and they, they said their child was like, well, this isn't what I wanted. I was praying for this from here, and we got this from here. And as humorous as that is, and rightfully so, it is funny. Isn't that what the church does? No, I was praying for right-wing Republicans to come here. I was praying for left-wing Democrats. I was praying for people who are un, unmerciful to come and be a part of our unmerciful family. I didn't want God to bring this here. If you believe in the divine power of God, if you believe in the omniscience of God, if you believe that God is God, then you have to believe and trust that His way is right even when His way is not your way. 
And when his way is not your way, you find out that you're not who you thought you were either. There's more to you. You're capable of more than what you realize. You didn't know you could love like God wants you to love. You didn't know that you could care like God wants you to care. And you didn't know that our family could be what our family is becoming. You had no clue that we could go down this road. But look at us. Look at us go. Here we are and here we go. What is God going to do? Hopefully, whatever he wants to do. Because we let him. What will it look like? Heck if I know. But I know it'll look like him. Red and yellow, black and white. They were all made in his image. Lack of sense of humor, got a sense of humor. Blue eyes, green eyes, brown eyes. We're all his kids. When you got married, did you say, Jennifer, Cole, not you, I'm, I'm leaving this outside of this. Did Matt say to Jennifer, I've got to make sure we have the same color eyes and the same color hair and the same personality because I want to make sure that our children are just like me. Jennifer, what would you have said to him? Do not say it out loud. Do not say that out loud. That would be perfect. That would be perfect. And therefore it is impossible. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, Jennifer, I'm going to let you be the one that says this to the congregation so they can't castigate me for saying it. It ain't going to look like what you want it to look like, so sorry about your luck. But it is what it is, and it is beautiful, and it is glorious, and it is exactly what God wants it to be. So how about we let God be God and all of us be his kids and call him daddy and let him make the rules and say what happens. Amen. Amen.